This WBEZ podcast is supported by the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention. Suicide is a topic that hides in the shadows. It's time we talk away the dark, learn how to spot the warning signs for suicide, and how you can have an open, caring, real conversation to help save lives. Visit the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention to watch the new short film and learn more at AFSP.org slash talkawaythedark. This WBEZ podcast is supported by Ravinia, with over 100 concerts under the stars this summer, including Daryl Hall and Elvis Costello, Nora Jones with special guest Mavis Staples, the Beach Boys with special guest John Stamos, Shaggy and TLC, Jason Isbell and the 400 Unit, the Chicago Symphony Orchestra, and more. Their 30-acre park is nestled in a gently wooded area. Bring your own picnic or eat at one of the park restaurants. Tickets available now only at ravinia.org. It's the end of an era. The mandate that I was given four years ago was to break up the status quo that failed our residents for far too long and to chart a new path, a new compact between the government and the governed. And that's what we did. After four years, it's Mayor Lori Lightfoot's last week running Chicago. This is the Reset Podcast. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. On Monday, Brandon Johnson will be sworn in as the next mayor of Chicago. So this week, before the changing of the guard, we're talking about the outgoing mayor's legacy. Because she ushered in a lot of historic firsts. Lightfoot came to City Hall in 2019 as the first black woman and first gay person in the role. She was also the first incumbent in four decades not to win a second term. For more on this, we turn to WBEZ city government and politics reporters Mariah Wolfel and Tessa Weinberg. Mariah, you were at Mayor Lightfoot's farewell speech yesterday at the Build Chicago headquarters. What was the energy like in the room? It was joyous. I mean, it was a celebratory occasion. Lightfoot said that herself in her opening remarks, saying, you know, this this is a celebration of my four years and everything we accomplished together. You know, she had her cabinet officials in the audience. They got rounds of applause um, for the work that they did, like the Department of Housing Commissioner, Department of Public Health Commissioner. Um, and she touted her accomplishments. There were um, little uh, farewell, like, candles, um, customized candles that said, welcome to Mayor Lori Lightfoot's farewell address. There was that big, you know, cutout of Lightfoot that became famous during the pandemic, that stern looking Lightfoot, you know. Oh, uh, I saw that on the on the stairs, right? Yeah, yeah. I I almost thought it was her. (laughs) Yeah, I did too. I was like, like, oh, wait, no, that's the cardboard cutout. Why are you standing like that? (laughs) Um, No, that's the famous cardboard cutout that, you know, came with the slogan, stay home, save lives. And I think her administration kind of got a kick out of how that blew up um, throughout the city at bars and restaurants and stuff like that. So it was celebratory. I mean, it was also somber. It's it's sad um, for Lightfoot. And she shed some tears for sure and um, talked about, you know, the serious challenges Mm -hmm. that she faced. Yeah. I mean, as as Mariah said there, Tessa, celebratory. I know there was a a drumline performance and a, a video that was kind of summing up her term. A gentleman who introduced the video also made a joke and said, they were tasked with packing four whole years into six minutes. What were your takeaways? 
Yeah, I think the video was really to, you know, define the narrative and highlight what they felt were her top accomplishments. You know, it went back to when she was a candidate, candidate Lightfoot in 2019, casting her as this outsider who was coming in to reform City Hall and, you know, machine politics. And then it really, you know, kind of quickly ticked through her highlights of raising the minimum wage to $15, invest Southwest. Mm-hmm. Um, and it had testimony from some of her top deputies, you know, really praising her work and talking about how the program she started are going to really plant the seeds for the future of Chicago, a more equitable Chicago. And yeah. it kind of ended on this look ahead of, you know, that some of these challenges she worked to chip away at, you know, are not going to go away overnight. That, you know, I think alluding to that they'll still be there, that something Mayor-elect Johnson will have to tackle. And it was interesting, you know, later in her speech, she really urged the media to, you know, focus less on her maybe negotiating style and mm-hmm. some of these, you know, the things she's done. And the whole video was you know, comprised mostly of headlines and highlights of that coverage. She said these challenges didn't happen overnight and, and the solutions won't come overnight either. Let's dig a, a little further into that, uh, Mariah, and, and go back to 2019 again, if you will. What or who brought her in, right? This political outsider, as we said. Yeah, Lightfoot didn't. I mean, there wasn't like a huge swell from a single source um, in 2019 for Mayor Lori Lightfoot. She really had um, I mean, she had a base of support along the lakefront, what, you know, some people refer to as lakefront liberals, white liberals. um, But she was up against the Chicago Teachers Union who supported Tony Preckwinkle and ended up, as we know, winning every ward in Chicago. Um, Lots of support in the black community as we saw her gain a again in the in the first round of the election. Um, And so it wasn't a single force and that I think kind of allowed her to play different sides of the field during her four Mm. years in office. Yeah. Well, I mean, we can't talk about her four years without digging into some of those issues that that uh, Tessa that you alluded to that were really waiting around the corner for her. Right. I'm talking about the pandemic, racial and social unrest, crime. Talk about how those challenges shaped her four years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think she was confronted with, you know, she was elected to office and then shortly after, you know, the pandemic is happening, um, racial unrest, um, you know, protests, rise in violence that the city was experiencing. And I think that was, you know, made clear in her speech and what people said of, you know, that these things happen in quick succession. And, you know, even at the city council, you know, at the last meeting that Alderman had, they talked about she was the mayor who was kind of dealt the, the hardest hand of any mayors of having to deal with these things. Yeah, tough um, timing there for sure. Yeah. And I think she really talked, though, about how, you know, there there were moments that brought her to her knees, but that she ultimately, you know, hope is what kind of propelled her forward through this as she worked to still make a more equitable city. I want to listen to a moment from her speech yesterday. Uh, she said that the media spent a lot of time and energy obsessing about a certain word. Let's listen. And let me tell you, my friends, the four-letter word that propelled me forward every single day of this incredible journey, one that I intoned every time that I needed to rise above the noise and despair. We hear her tearing up there. I can't help but get emotional with her. This could not have been easy. Oh, yeah. This ride. I I think that 
uh, Mayor Lori Lightfoot truly loved being mayor of the city of Chicago, as hard as it was in the hand that she was dealt. I do think that she was a passionate mayor. And so um, I, I think that losing was was really difficult for her. Um and but and and also just the four years that she that she faced. She had this quote yesterday that that said, "When you literally look death in the eye, as I had to, and realize that the decisions you're making are like impacting who will live and who will die, yeah. um, you know, you have to just like lean back on your faith." And she she talked a lot about that, and that's I think kind of where the tears were coming from. Um, when she was thinking about how you you do have to have faith and you do have to have hope during these really dark times, but yeah, she started that 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 sentence kind of criticizing the media's focus on her personality and kind of saying they were always obsessed with whether I was swearing or not. That's the four letter word she was referring to saying they were always obsessed with whether I I was saying a four letter word or not. Well, let me tell you the four letter word that I, you know, fall back on is hope. hope. So, so yeah. What did you make Tessa of her referring to herself? She said she was the, the mean can't get along with anyone mayor. Yeah, I think she's, you know, she's owned that she can be tough, that she has a tough negotiating style. I think even one of her, you know, re-election videos, she kind of started off with that. Um, But I think she's always defended that as, you know, she's trying to, you know, do what she feels is best for the city or accomplish her goals. Um, I think it shows she was aware of that perception. And she would say, I think there's been an unfair focus on that compared to some of her predecessors. Um, But I think it's undeniable that, you know, she did sometimes, I think, face challenges achieving her goals with certain city council members because of those kind of butting heads sometimes. Well, let's talk about her relationship with uh, Alderman Matt O'Shea of the 19th Ward. Uh, He said that the mayor wasn't interested in collaboration. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, you know, when Lightfoot, one of her, you know, first moves in office was to, you know, sign that executive order to do away with aldermanic prerogative, you know, saying it's going to be a new day in City Hall. I think it was kind of, you know, rub people the wrong way and kind of already starting off on a confrontational foot. And then as, um, you know, her term in office went on and we saw in her reelection campaign, some of her, you know, top once city council allies had, you know, abandoned ship and, yeah. and went and supported her opponents. So I think it's undeniable to see that, you know, those fractures kind of continued along the way. So as we mentioned, uh, Lightfoot and other leaders around the world, they had to deal with an unprecedented challenge, which was the pandemic. Now, during her address, she commended Dr. Allison Arwady, who's commissioner of the Chicago Department of Public Health. With Dr. Arwady's wisdom and guidance and her incredible team at CDPH, our city was able to learn a whole new vocabulary, social distancing, and PPE variants and strains. And all of us in city government um, tried to become junior epidemiologists, urging people to stay home and save lives. Mariah, remind us what Lightfoot's response was to to COVID. Was she one of the quick ones to take action or a little delayed? She, I mean, Lightfoot is commended for her response to the pandemic. And Arwady is probably one of the most beloved and public-facing figures of her cabinet. Um, But, you know, I think... Uh, many other people would say that the inequities we we saw during the pandemic um, in in the disproportionate deaths and cases among Chicago's black community should mm-hmm. have been anticipated given the longstanding inequities in healthcare in Chicago. And so while Lightfoot um, and already did respond to that with health equity zones, you know, eventually after, you know, WBEZ was the first one, Marina Samudio's story to shed light on those disparities in COVID-19 right. cases, um, 
once those once those inequities started to be uncovered, people started responding. And I think there are people out there who say that um, we could have anticipated that a little bit sooner and started to get those, you know, health equity zones and and. Um, you know, fixes in place yeah. to prevent some of those inequities. Well, here's something I'm curious about on a related note as we talk about Dr. Arwady. Brandon Johnson, uh, when I had him on stage at the WBEZ runoff uh, candidate forum, uh, he said that he and Dr. Arwady have, quote, different views uh, of public health. Can you clear things up for us? Will Dr. Arwady be staying on when Johnson enters office? Well, he did say it very clearly in your forum. Kudos to you for getting him to give a very direct answer, which was no. no. Um, but, you know, Johnson is now mayor and that was before Johnson or Johnson's now mayor elect. That was before he won the election. And now he has to um, kind of take a beat and figure out what is going to happen when he actually gets yeah, into office. Yeah, I think office. that was before Johnson talked to his team. Right. <laughs> well, and, and you know, he's going to sit down with all cabinet officials. Right. My guess is, is he's going to bring in many new people. And, and Arwady's certainly not someone who, um, like he said, has, has similar views. I think one of the things he's referring to is um, on the campaign trail, he promised to reopen the city's mental health clinics mm-hmm. and Arwady and Lightfoot have taken a different approach to that topic by by sending funding to organizations instead of funding, um, you know, city run public mental health clinics. So that's one, um, you know, already butted heads with the CTU quite a bit mm-hmm. during the pandemic about return to school. And right. so as beloved as Arwady is among many people, you know, there were people who were confused by that statement just because of how much they think Arwady did a great job during right. the pandemic. But there were some really strong sticking points between CTU and Arwady that that might reflect Johnson's choice on that matter. Yeah. Well, Tessa, let's let's talk a bit more about the mayor's biggest accomplishments. We, we know uh, uh, Invest Southwest is mm-hmm. is one of those things. Do we know what the next administration plans on doing with that? You know, initially on the campaign trail, Johnson had said it was not a program he was going to keep. But then later on, he said he is. I think it's still kind of an open question of what that will look like under him. You know, Lightfoot's, you know, even last week had was at a ribbon cutting for an Invest Southwest project as she was kind of wrapping up, you know, those uh, investments that she had been announcing and those groundbreakings. Um, So, yeah, I think it's kind of open question of will that look exactly the same? Will it have a a new form, a different name and what shape that will really take under him and how he'll continue that commitment to the south and west sides? And and one of the biggest issues that many of her mayoral opponents ran with was crime, Mariah. Critics of her, they said that she simply didn't do enough. What did she do? Yeah. um, Chicago, like many other cities, faced a spike in crime during the pandemic. So this was a national issue, one. Two, Chicago has been dealing with staggering rates of gun violence for decades. So to, to Lightfoot's point that this is not an issue that can be fixed overnight, it's not an issue that's going to be solved in the next four years, if I were to guess. Mm-hmm. Um, but Lightfoot, uh, you know, is is criticized for, one, her relationship with the Chicago Police, um, you know, many people think she could have done a better job boosting morale and, you know, getting that department into shape. A lot of people did not like her superintendent choice, David Brown, who's now out. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, then you have criminal justice reform, too, on that front. Um, you know, under Lightfoot, we have the 
new Community Commission for Public Safety and Accountability. That's been years and years in the making by activists trying to have more sway over the police department and its decisions. Mm -hmm. Lightfoot fought uh, versions of that ordinance for a long time, trying to water it down a little bit, which she was successful in doing. Um, But that's still a historic move on her front. Um, and, And Lightfoot also put more funding towards violence intervention groups, although they are nowhere near funded based on what experts have said, right. where they need to be um, in the city of Chicago to really give communities the resources that they need. But she did increase that funding, and she was helped by $2 billion in federal funds um, that allowed her to do that. But again, she also got criticized for not spending those funds quick enough. Right. Um, you know, she spent $5 million of $85 million in the first year she had it. Trying and she's trying to you know parse that out through 2026. But I think so there's always going to be critics on, on both sides. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, she's got less than a week left in office. Tessa, any unfinished business left for her to do? You know, she's really I think been tying knots, cutting ribbons. Um, like I mentioned, she was at that ribbon cutting for an Invest Southwest project uh, right. last week in Austin. Um, so I think it's really kind of in the final days. You know, the weeks leading up to this have been transition meetings, and her office released you know the the new budget kind of forecast for Johnson. So I think she's really been kind of setting the stage to which she's leaving a smaller budget deficit than anticipated is that right well we'll see when johnson gets into office you know it's a projection and it's a projection by an outgoing mayor who is in who you know is is leaving her legacy and her mark but yes um you know she she's anticipating an 85 million dollar budget gap which is around you know 390 million dollars less than what she had originally thought it was going to be and so i think I think it's a wait and see game of once Johnson gets into office. But yeah, she's, you know, tying tying all of these knots on. I think it's about time we book him, too. That's that's the next conversation. Uh, We've been talking with Tessa Weinberg and Mariah Wolfel, city government and politics reporters for WBEZ. Thanks for the update. Thanks. Thank you. This episode of the Reset Podcast was produced by Micah Yason and edited by Dan Tucker and Ethan Schwab. As a new mayoral administration takes over in Chicago, our politics reporters are keeping us up to speed on all the latest developments. You can read and listen to all the awesome coverage they're doing by heading to WBEZ.org. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the podcast. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. We'll chat again soon. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR.